Welcome to The Money Hour with Tina Mitchell. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the following program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 26th show. I am your host, Tina Mitchell, and my co-host, Keelan Harvey, local mortgage experts, bringing in expert advice and inside knowledge on today's events in our local economy and how it will affect your money. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we are here to answer any questions or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. Please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for today's shows, Kirsten or Shields with Body Language Strategy System, create impact and gain more sales without saying a word. Also in studio, Carrie Foley with Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services Northwest Real Estate. Are we starting to see a turn in the real estate market? And last guest in studio, Linda Kalen with Sterling Johnson Real Estate, strategies for buying and selling in our market. Great information and great guests in studio today. For more information on any topic discussed, again, you can call the show at one 855 411.50. Again, that's 1-855-411.50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And to start out today's show with a little money chat. Money. Money. Trump's eager to sign a bill rolling back Dodd-Frank regulations. The Dodd-Frank Act, fully known as the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act, is United States federal law that places regulation on financial industries in the hands of the government. The legislation, which is impacted in July of 2010, created financial regulatory processes to limit risk by enforcing transformation and accountability. Because of the Great Recession of the late 2000s was due in part to the low regulation and the high Reliance of large banks, one of the main goals of the Dodd-Frank Act was to create more regulation. Now, the act created the Financial Stability Oversight Council, FSOC, to address persistent issues affecting the financial industry and to prevent another recession. By keeping the banking system under a closer watch, the act seeks to eliminate the need for future taxpayer funds bailout. The Dodd-Frank created the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, CFPB, to protect consumers from large, unregulated banks. Now, in February 2017, uh, President Trump issued an exclusive order that direct regulators to review provisions put in place by the Dodd-Frank Act and submit a report to potential regulatory and legislation reforms. Now, Last Thursday, President Trump signed the biggest rollback of bank regulations since the global financial crisis. The measures uh, designed to ease rule on all, but the largest banks passed both Chamber of Conference and uh, bystanders support. Bankers say that the legislation will lift burdens 
unnecessarily put on small to medium-sized lenders by the Dodd-Frank Financial Reform Act and boost economic growth. Now, opponents, however, have argued that the changes could open taxpayers to more liability in the financial system, collapse or increase the chances of discrimination in mortgage lending. Now, the measures ease restrictions on all but the largest banks. Uh, it raises the threshold of $250 billion from $50 billion, under which banks are deemed to uh, important to, to their financial system to fail. Now, those institutions also would not have an undergo stress test or submit so-called living wills, both safety values designed to plan for financial disaster. Now, it eases mortgage loan data reporting requires from overwhelming majority of the banks. Uh, it would add some safeguards for student loan borrowers and also require credit reporting companies to provide provide free credit monitoring services. Now, Republicans have made cutting uh, regulations one of their top priorities since Trump took office, uh, but Democrats who largely support the Dodd-Frank reforms helped to get the bank-regulated bill through uh, Congress. Now, personally, being in the mortgage industry, Keelan and I both, uh, there has been positives, uh, strengths and negatives and challenges, negatives and challenges and positive things that have came from the Dodd-Frank Act, uh, really uh, protecting the consumer Consumers. We have seen that, but there's also put a lot of gaps in the process that makes things a longer process. And then again, um, as I shared, it's made it a lot more difficult for the smaller mortgage companies. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how all this plays out. And that was the Money Chat for today. Coming up next on the Money Hour, how to create an impact and gain more sales without saying a word. Kirsten O'Shields with Body Language Strategy System right here at 1150 AM at KKNW after the short break. With 25 years of training and performing in theater and opera, Kirsten O'Shields has acquired an in-depth knowledge of all levels of communication. Kirsten brings her unique skills, talents, and understanding of nonverbal communication to life in a program that impacts how each of us is viewed and received with a focus on body gestures, postures, and expressions. Kirsten is the CEO and founder of the Body Language Strategy System, a training program for learning to communicate leadership and executive presence through enhanced nonverbal communication and messaging. Kirsten speaks and trains nationally on body language strategy for business and has performed keynote speeches for organizations such as Google, eBay, National Women's Council of Realtors, and the Miss Washington program. Hello, this is Kirsten O'Shields. As the nation's leading body language strategist, I look forward to helping you learn how to create influence and gain more sales without saying a word. I invite you to visit my website to learn more about body language strategy through my personal coaching and my online training program at kirstenoshields.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to learn more about how body language strategy can help you to step into your greatness every day. I look forward to hearing from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. 
Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and my co-host, Keelan Harvey, at your local mortgage experts right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 26th show. It is a great day to talk money, and that's what the show is all about, how to make money, save money, and have a better quality of life for you and your family. If you're hearing our show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can talk with us uh, by calling the show at 1-855-411-50 or get connected with the guests that we have in studio. You can also go online to themoneyhour.com. And right now in studio, first time actually for all of my guests in studio today, I'm very excited, but my first guest is Kirsten O'Shield with Body Language Strategy System, Create an Impact a gain, and Gain More Sales Without Saying a Word. Now, this is a radio show, so we don't have any cameras here, which is unfortunate. I should have brought cameras in for a special show here uh, with you because it's oh, all about yes. body language, yes, but thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I really yeah. appreciate being here. Of course, and a little bit about Kirsten. With 25 years in training and performing, in theater and opera, Kirsten O'Shields has acquired an in-depth knowledge of all levels of communication. Uh, Kirsten brings her unique skills, talents, and understanding of nonverbal communication to life in a program that impacts how each of us is viewed and received with focus, body, gestures, postures, and expressions wondering what she's thinking of me over here. <laughs> Kirsten is the CEO and founder of the Body Language Strategy System, a training program for learning and communicating leadership and extensive presence through enhanced nonverbal communication and messaging. Uh, Kirsten speaks and trains nationally on body language strategies for businesses and her perform her keynote speeches for organizations such as Google, eBay, National Women's of uh, National Women's Council of Realtors, which I'm a big part of uh, WCR. Yes. And and at the Miss Washington program. And also she's going to come in and spend time, uh, do her keynote with my real estate expert uh, professionals as well. So very excited to have you here. Thank you again so much. Oh, my pleasure. Kirsten, we're dying to know. So why is body language a big deal in business? Your body language is 80% of your communication. So if you're showing up with connecting only with your audience and your target prospects, with just your information, you're missing out on 80% of the connection you can have that affects every ounce of the sales process. It affects how you attract your target audience, how you move them into becoming a client, and then it also affects your referral system. Because if you're connecting trust, you're connecting approachability, you're connecting confidence, all those things with the people that you're working with, you naturally are referred to their friends and to their family. Yes. So starting that right from the get-go, from your very first impression, all the way through the system is going to affect not only how easy it is for you and your clients, but how fast it goes. Makes, makes sense. So what you reflect on the outside or what you reflect out is what you reflect back in or to you, we've yes. heard that saying. So what does that mean and how does it work? So that is the mantra of the body language strategy system. Okay. What you reflect out is what is reflected back to you. How you walk into the room is how people are going to interact with you. It's the permission you're giving them of how you're going to talk with them and how they're going to talk back with you. Because what we do as humans, and we're talking in the primal brain, uh-huh. we emotionally respond to what we physically see. And we make those assumptions within the first tenth of a second. That's what a first impression is about. And then every ounce of the rest of your interactions are through that lens. And the trick with that is 
when you make a first impression, that sticks in the brain. It yes. takes 10 full one-on-one -on -one hours to completely erase a first impression if wow. it's not good. Wow. So, and you're half the time you're not even paying attention to your body if you're not careful. Right. You and so what I find is about 40% of people's body language is what they're aware of. That's 60% of what's happening in the interaction they really are not paying attention to. Interesting. And that's 60% that you could be adding purpose to. Of course. And being purposeful with the conversations, being purposeful with your intent, and getting more purpose in your results. So body language, I mean, that's obviously useful for any profession, but I yes. imagine sales is huge in that. How does that apply to the sales uh, process and with salespeople in general? So what I do is I work with the four pillars of leadership, and that's the four pillars are confidence, competence, trust, and approachability. When you walk into the room exuding those four things, the conversation for your sales, whether it's with a brand new client or someone who is a prospect, when you have those four things shining out, again, you're reflecting those things out. Uh -huh. Those are naturally going to be reflected back to you. So what happens is the conversation you're having moves faster when you show them what you have to offer in your service or your product. They're looking at it going, you know what, this person's very confident. Obviously, they know what they're talking about. I feel like they're easy and approachable to work with. This is a person I would like to spend time with, is what the primal brain is saying. That allows us to feel more comfortable working with you, which then it gives us more buy-in to what you have to offer. Makes sense. So what yeah. are those four pillars again? Confidence, mm -hmm. competence, trust, and approachability. And in the body language strategy system, I have developed very specific body language that exudes those things. And I train others to show that on your body. Yes. So when you walk in, people already, they automatically know that about you. So give us a tip on, let's just start with confidence. Yes. I mean, obviously the way you're sitting up and the way you stand would have to do with confidence, right? Absolutely. Okay, Actually, that's the other, number one thing is your posture. Yes. Okay, okay. So posture for confidence. Absolutely. What about for um, the second pillar? For competence, competence, this is the tricky one most people don't know about. That's showed in your fluidity. If okay. you think about what we spend billions and billions of dollars on every year when we watch the TV and we uh -huh. watch people run around on a field, and that's all we're paying for. But we're paying for the fact that they do it exceptionally well. Yes. And we then give credence and acknowledgments to the people who are absolutely consistent about it. And that's mm -hmm. why they become Hall of Famers is because they're very consistent about how they move and they make it look easy. Yes. So when you move with agility, you're looking more competent. So if you think of in the art world, the prima ballerina, she has the most fluid motions. If you okay. think of football... The man who's in Hall of Fame, he's the one who just soars down the field, makes it look easy. He's caught the yeah, ball. Yes. Okay. What about uh, trust? Trust is through the torso. That's opening yourself to other people. Okay. Makes sense. Right. Because that's where we're most vulnerable in our physicality. So, like, you, you definitely don't want to be crossing your arms. You don't arms. want to be crossing your arms. You don't want to be putting your palms out like this, but maybe instead inviting them in with yes. your arms coming in. I wish we had video. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. 
And then approachability, the majority of that is in your facial expressions. All right. Are you looking people in the eye? Our number one thing is just smile. A lot of people forget to smile. That's a basic one. But then how you move your facial expressions in conjunction with your message is what brings a very consistent message to that person. And they go, well, yes, of course I need your help. Yeah, and also I, I want to say on smile because I I do a lot of speaking um, as well, and I'm and I know about smiling. And when I'm talking, I'm always like trying to make sure that I'm smiling inside. I'm excited about what I'm saying, mm-hmm. coming from an authentic place. Yes. Uh, but then I've watched sometimes on video, or I'm doing a coaching program or something, and I'm like, wow, I was so excited, and I'm really smiling inside, but it actually didn't Did not come show. Yes. on my face. And so I would encourage anybody listening uh, to actually you know, videotape yourself on a conversation you're having with yourself or in your office when you're talking on the phone. Just put a camera up there and just take a picture so you can really see see what people are seeing yes. when you're having that conversation with them. So yeah. anyways. Yeah. I mean, speaking about leadership and confidence, how can body language help us to level up our executive presence, like to be that leader and really have other people look up to us? In leader, this is in leadership. This is huge because this is how your team is going to respond to you, and you're giving the example to your team of how you want them to work together as a team. If you're walking into the room as the leader and you have five million things on your brain that you know need to be accomplished by this team, but you walk in with the frustration and your arms are folded <laughs> and you're like, "Look, we got to get this done," and you have that harshness in your voice. Everybody's going to recoil back and go, oh, my Lord, I don't even know what uh, I'm afraid to (laughs) Uh say anything. So now you're creating the environment of either they're pulling back from being the person to say something or they're going to just be hiding and not say anything at all. Where if you walk in as the approachable leader, the encouraging leader saying, "Okay, here's what we have on our table. I know we can do this. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. And when you're looking at that person with your own confidence, now you're instilling in them, I believe you can do this too. So it's all about your approach. And my hashtag is, how are you showing up? Yeah. And that works for everything on the individual basis, sales basis, leadership basis, always thinking about not just how you're getting the response, because Mm -hmm. what happens is most people wait for the response and then they actively want to do something about it. But I always tell my clients, if you're waiting for a response, you're too late. Yeah. Well, on a personal level, too, when you have a tough day at work and you come home and you're storming around and all that, uh-huh. that could help you there, too. Uh, yes. Yeah. This works in every aspect of well, life. All of our, our key successes in, and practices work in personal and, you know, business. So, Absolutely. yes, uh, so true. So talking about confidence and how you show up in confidence, um, I, I bet you actually you want to you want to have that um, that safe space where you're confident but not too confident and you can be right. I mean, you, yes. you can come into a, a place uh, with clients or presenting or your family and come in with too confident. Well, and that's where the posture becomes too tight. Yes, okay. you're standing at your full height, but you're doing it through tension. So we also, it's not just the, okay, I'm standing tall. It's how. So back to that particular, yeah. how are you standing tall? Are you standing on your center and your balance and being in a relaxed space in your own being or are you really tight and tall, but now it looks very aggressive. Yes. And the second everybody walks in, they're like, oh, okay, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just being aware, it sounds like. So, um, Kirsten, how can people use body language strategy to create the experience with others in your business? The beauty of the body language strategy system is it allows you to create the environment you want to create. Because the purpose of it is to be able to come in with purposeful presence and 
this kind of language, body language and actions, now you're going for a purposeful interaction, mm -hmm. which now mm -hmm. means you're going to get a purposeful result, which means this is where you have the ability to impact your environment and change the feeling of it. And again, like you said, this is this works in business and personal. Yes. And this is where you create the most impact with no matter whether you're a leader, whether you're doing this with sales, whether you're doing this at home, mm -hmm. allowing others the permission off of what you're exuding out to see what that's gonna be like and to experience it and then keep that very consistently happening and you get that consistent result. Yeah, interesting. And it is, I mean, the other person and how they're reading you, a lot of that is um, through their subconscious as well. They're not, yes. it's not like they're, I mean, it's just kind of all dynamic. -y. It's happening all its on its own, good or bad. Well, exactly. Right? Well, and we're pack animals at the core. Yes. And so there's so much of what we're interacting with and what we're responding to that comes yeah. from the primal brain. Yeah. And, you know, so let's talk about first impression. And I, you know, I want to talk about a handshake because I'm really, um, I really am trying to be intentional to shake hands like somebody shakes my hand. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the yes. one that I have a, I have a really firm handshake, but I put my other hand and I've noticed by, by, you know, learning about things, I never realized that I actually put my hand on top of the hand. The I, I put hand. it out, I shake hard and then my other hand comes in, you know, that's just kind of the, the warm personality piece, but coming in with the strength. So when you're that first impression, um, should you adjust how you're shaking someone else's hand to follow their lead? So you're kind of coming in with them or? It's something you want to be aware of. Again, okay. you want to start with creating the impression that you want in the environment that you want. Okay. So putting that hand out, over squeezing, Yes. No matter if you put the other hand over, yep. it, that's still going to register. Okay. That's still too much. Yeah, I don't know if I have the strength to over squeeze, okay. <laughs> but it is. But it is a hard. It is. A, it's a firm shake. Yeah. So firm and friendly is uh -huh. where you want to go. Okay. And, and if the person again, now you're watching their body language. Yeah. If they're smiling with that, the hand over is going to be accepted. Okay. And if you see a little pull away in the then body, don't do that. Yes. Yeah. Makes. So, Makes sense. I have to ask. So as as a man shaking a female's hand, you we always some guys lean into the dainty shake. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah no, I, I, I wouldn't want a dainty shake no, for don't do that. I've heard guys talking about the dainty shake, like they don't want to be too firm, so they go in a little yeah, soft. What's the correct way for a guy to shake uh -huh. a female's hand? The same way you would shake a man's hand without the over pumping and the extra hard squeeze, <laughs> yeah. you know, no posturing there. So it's just, you open the hand and the palms are very interesting in body language because they show your openness. Yeah. So if you're going in with your hand, again, very tense, yeah. that's gonna show, ooh, this guy's a little much. But just keeping your hand open in a nice, firm, but relaxed way, then it's nice and neutral and then you can let it move from there. I'm Makes glad total I, sense. Glad I'm doing it the right way, yes. but you know I've heard I've heard this being a subject. So yeah, and we've we got to wrap it up. But I just really really quick answer. I want to hear what about using your hands? I use mean, your hands. Yes, use your hands. That's what I. But you yes. don't want to get too crazy. Have that. But be aware what you're doing okay. with them. Yeah, you don't want to be pointing out to somebody, you know, because that is telling them. So right. I know that means something bad. Yes. You know, so yeah, I'm excited to have you on our Power Hour Lunch and Learn and get oh, in front I'm of so my agents. And thank you for being here. We really appreciate uh, you coming into the studio. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. And coming up next on the Money Hour, are we starting to see a turn in the real estate market? Carrie Foley with Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services Northwest Real Estate, right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break.
With 25 years of training and performing in theater and opera, Kirsten O'Shields has acquired an in-depth knowledge of all levels of communication. Kirsten brings her unique skills, talents, and understanding of nonverbal communication to life in a program that impacts how each of us is viewed and received with a focus on body gestures, postures, and expressions. Kirsten is the CEO and founder of the Body Language Strategy System, a training program for learning to communicate leadership and executive presence through enhanced nonverbal communication and messaging. Kirsten speaks and trains nationally on body language strategy for business and has performed keynote speeches for organizations such as Google, eBay, National Women's Council of Realtors, and the Miss Washington program. Hello, this is Kirsten O'Shields. As the nation's leading body language strategist, I look forward to helping you learn how to create influence and gain more sales without saying a word. I invite you to visit my website to learn more about body language strategy through my personal coaching and my online training program at kirstenoshields.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to learn more about how body language strategy can help you to step into your greatness every day. I look forward to hearing from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and my co-host, Keelan Harvey, your local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 26th show. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but we're here to answer any questions that you have or connect you with the guests that we have on the show today. 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. In studio right now, another first time guest on our show, Carrie Foley with Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services Northwest Real Estate. Are we starting to see a turn in the real estate market? Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you, Tina. Yeah, thank you so much for coming in. A little bit about Carrie. Uh, Carrie Foley is Northwest native, but spent several years overseas in Southeast Asia before returning to Seattle to attend the UW. After purchasing her first home at age of 19, what an accomplishment that was. Uh, she fell in love with a real estate sales process and pursue a career in, the, in real estate. 16 years in business, she is the number one agent in her office and number seven countrywide for her annual production. Carrie tries to maintain some sensible of a work-life balance by spending time with her two kids and traveling domestic and internationally as much as possible. So Carrie, how the heck did we get here? How did our Seattle real estate market become so competitive? Right. So really kind of goes back to economics 101. It's classic supply and demand. So really, if you look at the peak of the market in 2002, 2007, 2008, we actually had a very balanced supply of inventory to satisfy the demand. Still a growing market, but our new home starts were at an all-time high during that time frame. Now, in 2008, after the crash, new home builders pretty much just threw in the towel. I mean, we just quit yeah. building in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started to see this very quick decrease in our available inventory. Now, our population in the Puget Sound area wasn't changing. In fact, it was still staying fairly stable and even growing compared to a lot of other cities across the country. Yes. So we had continued demand in the area, but we weren't adding the inventory we needed. 
So it wasn't until probably around 2013, 2014, and into 2015 that the new home builders started building again in our area. Mm -hmm. So now we're starting to see this slow, you know, gradual increase in our inventory. But we had this seven to eight year backlog. Yes. uh, That we're now trying to play catch up with. So Uh, would you say that that's the difference in our, you know, if we compare what we're dealing with right now in this market and, you know, versus the peak in the market of 2007, 2008, what differences are you seeing? I would say the biggest differences are again, just kind of goes back to the available supply of inventory. Yes, yep. Um, I would say probably back in 2013, where we really kind of just started to see a shift, mm-hmm. we still had about 5.6 months of inventory uh, throughout our MLS, which actually represents a very balanced market. Yes. When we think back to 2013, we're still thinking kind of a very depressed market. Mm-hmm. But we actually, that was kind of a very balanced, healthy market during yeah. that time. Since then, uh, of course, we just haven't been able to keep up with with the the increasing demand. And so 2015, I think, is when we really started to take off. We probably had about 4.2 months of inventory in our MLS at that time. So that's when we start shifting towards the seller's market. Mm. And then if you compare that to currently in King and Snohomish County, we have 1.2 months of inventory, which is just, I mean, insanely low, really. Wow. What's the trends been uh, in the last year? In the last year, um, our inventory has been growing. So we've been up 3.7% over the last year, which is fabulous. We, yes. need, we desperately need that inventory. But our pending sales are up 5.7%. So still, our, mm. our pending sales are outpacing the inventory that we're adding. Wow. So that's what's causing this uh, continued increase in prices. Um, for just the last 12 months, our median price in King County is up 16.8% to a median price of 585000 And in Snohomish County, we're up 13.3% to 425000 yeah. Wow. So, I mean, those are, those are huge numbers yes. for one year. So trends moving forward, uh, let's say over the next year, what do you see uh, changing or happening? I really, With your crystal ball, Carrie. I know, right? <laughs> right. I'd be much richer if yeah, I had that crystal ball. I always say all experts are right 50% of the time Yeah, because it's true. Yes. <laughs> so I would say over the next year, I think we are going to start to see a little bit of a leveling off. It's not okay. going to be a drop. We're not going to experience a bubble. But there are some factors in play that I think will start to ease the insane growth. Uh, of course, we've got you know rising interest rates, which is going to affect buyer affordability. Um, also, we do you know we are starting to see some increased inventory. Uh, new home builders are definitely back in the market. Uh, new home starts are up. I still mm-hmm. think it's going to be maybe a three-year uh, projection before we start to see the amount of new homes in our area to satisfy the demand. Um, I'm starting to to hear a lot more stories of people moving out of the area. Um, We're starting Mm. to see, you know, some people, whether it's retirees leaving the area, job relocation. So that may ease just a little bit of our demand. And we're also seeing just a little bit of buyer fatigue now. I mean, buyers have really put up with kind of a crazy seller's market the last couple of years. Um, So I'm hearing some stories kind of around the water cooler now of a little bit of buyer fatigue. So I think with the rising interest rates... um, um, a little bit more inventory to help ease demand. 
um, and just buyers kind of saying enough, uh, we're going to start to see just a little bit of leveling out. It's not going to be drastic, though. Yeah. Well, with all those things in mind, I mean, what should a current homeowner consider when timing the market? I mean, there's some pressures from many angles is what you're talking about. So sure. where do they stand at this point? Yeah, I get that question a lot. Uh, my past clients or current clients asking me, is now the time to sell? When should mm-hmm. we sell? And really, my advice to any homeowner is that homeownership and moving, whether you're moving up, moving down, is such a personal decision that really uh, don't worry about what's going on in the market or the economy. Uh, When it's right for you, it's right for you. Uh, Also, really in the Puget Sound area, we don't have much of a seasonal market. Puget Sound real estate market stays strong year round. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, you know, other than maybe just a tiny bit of a slowdown in, you know, August, September, when it seems like all the, you know, everybody goes on vacation and, and school's getting started and maybe just a little bit around the holidays, Really, our real estate market is very strong and active year-round. So in things that you're seeing that sellers might be doing um, in this market in uh, that's being damaging to them, able to accomplish the best uh, ending result, what would be that biggest mistake? For buyers? No, for oh, uh, for, sellers. for sellers. Yes. The biggest mistake for sellers. Um, honestly, the biggest mistake for sellers that I have seen is overpricing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody is is seeing in the news and the media, they're hearing stories from their friends or family, uh, how high prices are going. And so sellers maybe, you know, right off the bat are going to think, well, I should price my home just that much higher. Mm-hmm. And really, it's a double edged sword and it's not successful. So uh, probably the biggest mistake I see some sellers is, is just being a little too greedy, a little overzealous yeah. with their pricing. Um, so definitely, you know, consult with a real estate professional and uh, and price correctly for the market. Well, that's what we have the show is here all about because Absolutely. that's why you're here. And, you know, really, again, to shout out to the listeners. It really is about bringing the best of the best experts in here so that you can have all those areas covered when it comes to anything regarding your financing, real estate, no exception to that. And, I mean, speaking of a seller's market and people getting fed up, are we going to see an end to this crazy market anytime soon? Or uh, In short, no. Uh, I do think that the Puget Sound real estate market is going to continue to stay strong at less, you know, at least over the next one to three years. Uh, just looking at the new home permit applications that are kind of in the pipeline right now, it's probably going to take at least three years for a lot of those to come to market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see, you know, high demand and relatively low inventory for at least the next three years. So buyers that are listening to the show right now in preparation to get ready for the market and what they're going to be dealing with out there, what advice do you have for them, Carrie? For buyers now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so probably one of the uh, biggest pieces of advice I can give to a home buyer is get a strong pre-approval in place up front. Know your financial capability. Um, you know, take it as far through the underwriting process as possible so that when you go to make that offer, you're confident that you can make that offer, uh, you know, whether it's a a price point or a a closing date that you Mm -hmm. can hit, um, you know, how we maneuver appraisals, things like that. So really working with a a fantastic mortgage officer, you know, on your team. Um, And then, you know, know the process. Uh, don't feel rushed. I feel like a lot of buyers feel a lot of pressure mm-hmm. in this market mm-hmm. uh, to quickly buy something. And, you know, I always tell buyers, um, I'm not going to let you buy the first thing we see. 
uh, we're going to get out there and we're going to take a look at the market. You are going to know, you know, by the time we're done with this, you're going to walk into the house and know that that's the one and you're going to feel confident, you know, moving forward with, with the best, strongest offer. Great you know, advice. So, Carrie, we, we know about the influx of people over the last couple of years and the water cooler talk of people that are deciding to move somewhere else that's just a little less expensive. Is Puget Sound going to continue to be a smart place to buy and invest in real estate? Or You know, my dad always taught me that real estate will always be a winning investment. If you can stomach the natural ups and downs of yeah. any real estate cycle, because it will always happen, Real estate is a finite resource. Land is a finite resource. And certainly our global population is not going to decline, right? (laughs) So given that we can't make more land and there will be continued demand for it, uh, real estate, I think, will always be a win. Your father was a wise man. Indeed, what he I've was. said for years <laughs> is you you can't lose in real estate right. unless you're forced to sell in a bad market. So same thing, just a different way to say it. And I you know I I don't remember where I heard that, but I I felt in so much confidence when I started in this industry about 22 years ago, and I was doing a lot of home buying stem- seminars and was taking the stage, and that's what I was saying. And until I actually I lived through it that you can't lose in real estate unless you're forced to sell in a bad market. And people lost a ton of money, strategically or not, being forced in that market. So, um, you know, I yeah, it's great advice. It's, a, it's the safest asset class historically that you can invest in. And, it you know, a, a, a shout out again for real estate. It's the only investment that you actually have to pay for regardless. You're either going to pay for a roof over your head or you're going to pay for something that you're owning and building wealth in. So um, appraisals, because there's some, you know, there's appraisal challenges that happen to come up uh, once in a while out there. And uh, when you're helping your clients, your buyers present a strong offer, what conversation are you having around that? Are you waiving appraisal contingencies? Are they paying higher than what the if, the what if it comes in low? How are you consulting your clients there, Carrie? Yes. So I first start out doing my own independent market analysis. I explain to the buyer that the list price was established by the seller and the listing broker. That's uh-huh. their opinion of value. I'll always give my opinion of value as well. Okay. And then I'll, we'll put our heads together and you know decide kind of within that, that range that I've kind of come up with, fair market value, where are they comfortable going? Sometimes they're comfortable going higher than even my recommendation. Okay. Because perhaps we have already experienced, you know, losing out on a couple of offers yeah. because things have gone higher than anticipated. So if they are comfortable um, and financially able to go higher than, you know, what we think it might appraise for, then there are certainly a couple of options. Certainly when I'm representing a buyer, I always want to protect their best interests first and foremost. But given this market, sometimes we really have to put our neck out there a little bit. So certainly there are waived appraisals um, or agreement to come in with cash over appraisal to cover the difference. But really, it's going to be very individual. And I'd really have to take a look at that particular buyer's you know, abilities and comfort level in this process before I could uh, give them some advice on on how far we have to go. Yeah, it makes makes total sense, really. It's an individual and having a conversation of where they're at, what they're willing to do to to make that offer come through. Um, So, well, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming into studio. It was great great having you here. And coming up next on The Money, our strategies for buying and selling in our market. Linda Keelan with Sterling Johnson Real Estate right here on 1150 AM KKNW after the short break.
With 25 years of training and performing in theater and opera, Kirsten O'Shields has acquired an in-depth knowledge of all levels of communication. Kirsten brings her unique skills, talents, and understanding of nonverbal communication to life in a program that impacts how each of us is viewed and received with a focus on body gestures, postures, and expressions. Kirsten is the CEO and founder of the Body Language Strategy System, a training program for learning to communicate leadership and executive presence through enhanced nonverbal communication and messaging. Kirsten speaks and trains nationally on body language strategy for business and has performed keynote speeches for organizations such as Google, eBay, National Women's Council of Realtors, and the Miss Washington program. Hello, this is Kirsten O'Shields. As the nation's leading body language strategist, I look forward to helping you learn how to create influence and gain more sales without saying a word. I invite you to visit my website to learn more about body language strategy through my personal coaching and my online training program at kirstenoshields.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to learn more about how body language strategy can help you to step into your greatness every day. I look forward to hearing from you. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Now, back to the show with local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell. Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, and my co-host, Keelan Harvey, your local mortgage experts right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, May 26th show. We are here to help you build a strong financial blueprint one week and one show at a time. If you're hearing my show at a different time, you are listening to a rebroadcast. Uh, to talk with us or connect with the guests that we have in studio, you can call the show at one 855 Again, that's one 855 411150 or online at themoneyhour.com. And in studio right now, we have Linda Keelan with Sterling Johnson Real Estate. And we're going to be talking about strategies for buying and selling in our market. Linda, thank you so much for joining us in studio today. Well, thanks for having me, Tina. And a little bit about uh, Linda is managing broker with Sterling Johnson Real Estate at their newly opened office in downtown Seattle. She's been a broker for more than 20 years, working with clients in many communities in the Puget Sound region. Linda represents both buyers and sellers and considers herself fortunate to be part of these major transitions in their lives. She's committed to providing a high level of personal and professional real estate services and considers good communication to be at the bedrock of their relationship. Linda holds CRS, Certified Resident specialist and SRES senior real estate estate specialist designations and has received several nominations from five-star real estate agent award and she has two wonderful children Linda we've established that's a seller's market so curious to know uh, what do what do sellers need to do uh, to prepare their house for a listing you know it seems like with everything we hear in the news uh, on a daily basis, practically, it would seem that we, since we have such a, sell, a strong seller's market, that perhaps sellers would not have to do anything, just put a sign in front of their house. And um, that's actually, there's more than one correct answer to that question about what do they need to do. And it part of it depends on what their goal is. Um, if getting their house sold very quickly is their primary concern, sometimes we have clients that that is their main concern they need they're being transferred they need to get their house sold Mm -hmm. and so they just basically need it sold yesterday however um if they need to if part of their goal is to get 
um, the best terms and the best conditions in their sale, then we give them different advice because uh, putting some energy into fixing the house or doing something to make it present well is going to bring them the best buyer, and it's really worth their well, taking advantage of this market, right? So you get those multiple offers and it can escalate and, you know, getting the top dollar would be that side of it. Exactly, exactly. And um, I work a lot in the Seattle and King County market, but if just like looking at the properties that have sold since the beginning of the year in the Seattle market, mm-hmm. um, the looking at houses that are under a million dollars, because that's sort of a different, It's a, there's more, more properties sold in that range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The average days on market is 15 days. So, you know, it's going to sell if it's priced correctly and appropriately for its condition and location. But if you want to maximize your sale, you're going to want to probably put a little effort into it. Well, that's a, you know, great real estate um, uh, advice is really to find out what their needs are, where their needs are. And then you can strategize and wrap everything else, everything around that and put your plan together. So I love that. Um, So let's talk about remodeling. Does it really make sense for um, for a seller to go ahead and remodel their home? I know that's going to kind of tie in a little bit to the strategy plan, but. Sure. And that's an excellent question. And if you are a contractor that routinely buys houses, fixes them and then sells them, then Mm -hmm. the answer to that is, well, yes, of course it makes sense to, you know, go all out. However, if you're just a regular person, who wants to sell their primary residence, then again, that's one of those cases where we give a little bit different advice to Mm -hmm. those clients. As we all know, putting in new things like new kitchens, new bathrooms, expanding uh, the space in a house is very expensive. Yes. And also, the other part is that you're guessing what your future buyer's tastes are going to be. And sometimes that works, and sometimes that just doesn't work. so we suggest that if people want to make, may perhaps need to make some improvements, that they do it very judici- judiciously. Um, and only do those things that are really going to help with the sale. Yeah, and you know, that just made me think of something, because if, you know, if you can lower that price based on, you know, get your really aggressive price because you're not putting anything in to remodel that home, and somebody can come in and get that better price, they can see and put the home, the, the kitchen that they really want in there, that could be a really... A great strategy to go in with, possibly, yes? Yes, I think so. And so so many buyers do want to actually come in and put their own style sure. in their new home. So what our general recommendation is that people uh, clean, paint, pack, and fix broken yeah, things. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and you, Linda, you were talking about the right price to list a property. Is it possible to overprice? You know, it seems sort of counterintuitive in this market, doesn't it, that yeah. you could possibly <laughs> counterintuitive. But I think Carrie also mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that, that that it is possible to uh, overprice. And before coming on today, I took a little look at what's going on in the Seattle market. And again, what I did is I looked at houses that were under a million dollars and those that have been on the market for 30 days or more before they went under contract. These are sold properties. If you recall, the ones that um, the, the average is 15 days. But yes. if you look at things that sell for, they took 30 days or more to sell, 89% of them had sold for less than their original sale yeah. price. Yes. Wow. So obviously, it is possible to overprice. And what you really want to do is it's really important to um, price it sharply, understand the comparable properties that are very close yeah. to your home. And then price it in such a way that you're sort of in the middle of the range and that you 
get a lot of interest in the property. Makes sense. Yeah. So when you're wearing your seller hat, because uh, I know you work with buyers and sellers, yes. and when you're willing, wearing your seller's hat and you've got all these multiple offers that come in, a seller may think it's all about price, but the reality is there's a lot more things that are coming in. And so how do you navigate and help your sellers? Because uh, they need to make the decision themselves on which offer they want, but how do you help and coach them to get to the, the best offer for them? And what is the difference between not just taking the highest price offer. Exactly. I mean, and you really have to sit down with the seller and kind of look, show them all of the different uh, conditions because Mm -hmm. a a purchase and sale contract has many different conditions in it other than price. It can be things like a closing date and and it can be things like inspections or it can be other contingencies. Waving financing. Yes, Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, And in some cases, we have sellers who, with our difficult market, would really love to have a an opportunity to rent back their house. Hint, hint to buyers listening to the show, right? Exactly. You know, and and maybe, you know, sometimes they might, you might get an offer that where this buyer doesn't have that flexibility Mm -hmm. and they can't offer you that as an option. Well, then you might actually, if someone comes in and say, hey, I'll be glad to rent the house back to you for six weeks and I won't even charge you anything. Yes. And and the, the seller might actually, that, I, that might tip the scale for the decision or they might actually decide to choose an offer that um, is at a slightly lower price but has better conditions. Well, speaking of offers, we know it's difficult to get a contingent offer accepted, particularly with all these crazy multiple offer scenarios that are coming down the pipe. What option does a person have when they also need to sell their home in order to buy? Excellent question. <laughs> because this is the thing that we are up against. And I think this is one of the reasons why we have an inventory problem is yes. that people would like to yeah. they would like to sell, they would like to buy, but it's getting from selling to buying that yes. is so difficult. And they just give up and think, well, I'm just going to remodel. I got all this equity in my home. Why don't I just make my home what I want instead well, of moving? And that's, and that's certainly an option, but sometimes people... Well, it's want... not an option we want, but... <laughs> <laughs> and, and sometimes there's really good reasons why maybe they want a smaller house. Maybe yes. they want a house in another neighborhood. There's reasons, but it's... Um, so what we try and do is sit with our, our clients and help them understand whether looking at something like a bridge loan, some kind of interim mm-hmm. finance, financing would work for them. Um, and if a prop, if a homeowner's been in a property for quite a while and has some good equity, that's a great option because, yes, it does cost a little bit, but on the other hand, it allows you to go in with an offer that is not contingent on the sale. And if you're in a multiple offer situation, it's very difficult. Yeah, in another that, thing that, that, you know, Carrie yeah. Menton about important with buyers is to get pre-approved. And so, yeah, really, you've got your strategy that you need to go through with them as a buyer or a seller. And then as a buyer, the strategy piece with the financing. So, mm-hmm. you know, good advice, because a lot of people feel there's no options where they actually, they can qualify for mortgages. They can borrow a temporary, temporary loan from their 401k. So many different things they can do. There is an end to a means. So kind of flipping over to the buying side, what preparations do you suggest to people who are just beginning to think about buying a home? Well, again, I think that it's it's pretty basic. We want the our, our buyers to be educated. We want them to really, um, first of all, I like to have them identify what their wants and needs and their likes are, you know, so that they understand what it is that they are going to be out looking for. Um, then, of course, they need to get pre-approved. They need to understand, one, how much mortgage they 
can afford, and then the secondly, how much mortgage they are comfortable with, because they are not always the same thing. Yes. Um, then I get them to go out and educate themselves about different neighborhoods that they might consider, and then find a real estate broker. I love it if it's me, but if it's not, it's a real estate broker who and a mortgage loan officer too, both yes. who will people that you trust. And who that you feel will be um, in your will be advocating for you in yeah. the in the transaction. Great advice. So we've talked about the crazy uh, market here, and and on the you know the buyer side, I mean some uh, neighborhoods have days of inventory left, and and you know so we've talked about buyer fatigue and you know um, really just sticking with it and not giving up. And so what are you suggesting with your buyers that they can? have that little extra edge. I love the advice of, you know, finding out if the seller needs to live there. I mean, go live a parent with a parent or something, anything that you can do to give that extra period of time for the sellers to transition out and get into their new home. What else tips can you share? Well, first of all, I I really suggest that buyers need to be uh, flexible and that I think that they need to perhaps open their mind to, um, Perhaps different neighborhoods. If, for example, if you've made, if you lost out on three offers on that totally fixed Craftsman and downtown Ballard, maybe you mm. should consider um, expanding the neighborhood that you would look at, and that there are maybe other great areas that you would consider. I think part of it is being a little bit more flexible and okay. maybe not trying to buy in the same neighborhood that everybody is trying to buy in. Mm. However, on the other end of making your offer more competitive which I think is what you were getting at. Um, in addition to those things which are, um, that, that Carrie mentioned, would be to remove remove objections. Um, yes. re- remove any objections to your offer that the seller might have. Mm-hmm. Um, waive the seller disclosure statement. Uh-huh. Um, do, your, do a pre-inspection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the whole point of, figuring out what the client's want list, the yes. seller's want list is. Yeah, love that. And I've been thinking this whole time with all this competition, you know, what about first-time home buyers thinking about getting into this crazy market? Do you have any advice specifically for them? Poor first-time home buyers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, it's pretty tough. It's pretty mm-hmm. tough. What I try to do is get them to understand that their first home is not their forever home. Yeah, mm-hmm. love that. Okay? And that... Um, it's your money ahead if you buy something that's perhaps less than your perfect ideal house, because then you have at least a stake in the game. And then the third thing I try to remind them is when they hear about median prices, like the median price on the east side is 800000 uh-huh. to remember that 50% of the houses are less than that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you just know. having that understanding. So we've got to wrap up our time, but I want to ask you one more, uh, one more question here, because I know being in Keelan and I being in the mortgage industry, you know, we know everything about mortgages and then some, um, but I know that there's, you know, buyers out there that think they need to have a 20% down payment. And so, or they might have a credit, uh, they might have a challenging credit score right now. So they're not going to get the best interest rate today. Or they don't have the money for a down payment, or they're twenty percent. What do you What do you advise? Yeah, I, I totally recommend that people not tr- 
you know, forget about yeah. 20%. I yes. suggest that they find a way to buy as soon as they can. Yes. And, and that even if they have to pay private mortgage insurance, their yep. money ahead. Yeah, love it. And I, I we are totally on the same side. I, you know, the, the common one is, well, I don't have the perfect credit score. I'm going to wait. Well, while you're waiting, interest rates are going up, most likely. And while you're waiting, property values are going up. And if you don't wait, if the interest rate's that much better, you can refinance when you have that better credit score. So, yep. yeah, there's lots of options uh, for a low down payment. You can actually do a buyout of mortgage insurance and not get stuck paying that monthly PMI. So um, thank you so much, Linda, for joining Keelan and I in studio today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And this is your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, signing off for the day. And your co-host, Keelan Harvey. And enjoy the rest of your Saturday and the rest of your weekend. We'll be here same time, same place next week, right here at 1150 AM KKNW. Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS 7233. The views expressed by the speakers on the preceding program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC, nor are they necessarily endorsed by Gateway Mortgage Group, LLC.